0: Welcome to the Portable Pulpit. Let's go. What's up, family? This is Colby Corso and Clifford Cox on the Portable Pulpit. Yeah. That's right. Um, We are going to kind of handle a subject off the cuff that came up uh, recently in my ministry out in our community, and it's the question of tolerance. Um, I got into this discussion uh, with some guys in Durango about, well, why don't we we just need to tolerate everybody. Like one of the problems why there's so much conflict in the world is that people are not tolerant. Like if we want to say um, homosexual people should be tolerated, um, Muslims should be tolerated, Christians should be tolerated, um, different, you know, things um, that are, are ailing our society as a result of a lack of toleration. And this kind of comes full circle on my least favorite uh, bumper sticker of all time, the coexist bumper sticker, and it's basically religious symbols made into the shapes to say coexist. And there is this sentiment uh, within our culture uh, that um, tolerance, or let me put it th- this way, intolerance is is an expression of racism and hatred and bigotry and all of these other sorts of things. And I think that there would be an argument made that religious people. Um, are the least tolerant people in society and i want to lo- i want to kind of address a couple of the presuppositions that come with this uh, number one is every single person on the earth has religious beliefs if you are an atheist you actually have a very particular set of beliefs about say anthropology what is man is he born good is he born evil um is he a Um, composition of molecules, right? You have a belief about the anthropology of man. You have a belief about truth and lies. You have a belief about God that's actually very specific. Um, And so there is no such thing as someone who does not um, have religious beliefs, because religious beliefs are really, however you look at the ultimate questions of humanity, those are your religious beliefs. Everybody— has these beliefs. And so to say that religious people are separate from, say, secular people without these things is actually naive because it doesn't look at the fact that philosophically everybody is answering the big questions somehow, some way. And so even secular people have to come to grips with they have religious beliefs. And so to say that just openly Christians or Muslims or Jews or Hindus or whatever, that they are in. S- you know automatically more bigoted or narrow-minded is is built up on a presupposition that really doesn't look and understand that everybody has a worldview. Um, everybody has a belief system and goes through it. So here's the thing that I, I kind of posed um, to some of my non-believing friends and it was this it's like you don't believe in absolute toleration. And they were staggered by that. they're said yeah, we do we believe in toleration. I said you absolutely do not. If a Nazi came here today, and wanted to kill Jews, would you tolerate that? If a racist came in here and wanted to lynch somebody, would you tolerate that? And they say, absolutely not. And I say, exactly. There are, there are beliefs and there are activities um, that are necess- that we should necessarily be intolerant of. Now, this is a dangerous position because now the question is, not should we be tolerant or intolerant, which I think is really what happens on social media. You should agree with this persecuted group of people simply because of some virtue signaling idea of toleration, and to be intolerant is to make you a bigot. I think that that is way oversimplification. I think that it's an unthoughtful uh, position to have. I think the much more thoughtful position is is what is right and what is wrong, because what is right should be tolerated, and what is wrong should not be tolerated. And laws are actually expressions of how we see God um, declaring to man what is right or wrong, or how we see man expressing from his rationale what he believes is right or wrong. So here's the thing. The Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizens of France, the Magna Carta, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, all get into this thing about securing the rights, the freedom of religion. And so the the freedom of belief, the freedom of thought, and what is so dangerous about that is that in our pluralistic society, which is far more pluralistic than what it was when these documents were crafted amongst largely a homogeneous society is... Almost all of those countries that produce these things about freedom of religion were expressing that in terms of the Judeo-Christian religion that held the Bible in harmony. And so it's even been argued that what they're really talking about is the freedom of Christian religion—Catholic, Protestant, and even Judaism, to a degree. And so when you get into a pluralistic society where there are belief systems— um, such as Hinduism, that says that, no, there's a, actually a really strong caste system, and these people are better than those people. Okay, well, is that a belief system in a religion that should be tolerated? That's a really strong question. That that actually, it, it's if you understand, I'm not trying to advocate for that. What I'm trying to argue for is that this conversation is much more complex than I think it's given credit for. Because when you come to Hinduism, it's like where they... have like The upper castes, the Brahmins, actually feel as though like the classes below them are slaves to them. That's irreconcilable with the Christian worldview that produced these documents. The, oh, let me go on further, and we could go all the way around of every religion, including the Christian religion, is that you could come to atheism, which, by the way, it, religion has not produced the most massacres and bloodshed, you can add up the previous 19 centuries of religious conflict, and that includes Muslims and Christians and whatever, in conflicts that are done because of religion, and they pale in comparison to how much bloodshed happened at the feet of atheism in the 20th century. The 20th century was the bloodiest century out of the last 20, and it was on the back of belief systems of evolution. It's on the back—it back, back it, it rode the— um, The coattails of atheism, and we see that in Stalin, in Mao, in Hitler, in Mussolini. And so, atheists that would believe that as a result of evolutionary processes, that human life is of no value, and whether this takes on Stalin killing hundreds of millions of his own people, Mao killing hundreds of millions of his own people, right? They kill more people, far more people than Hitler did. Right? Or if it takes on the modern form of, we can kill this baby in a mother's womb because it's just a clump of cells. Okay, Should that worldview, should those religious beliefs of atheists be tolerated? When Muslims come and they argue that uh, the genitalia of a young girl should be cut, um, when in Saudi Arabia there's women that can be killed for driving a car, Right, when people are stoned to death in soccer stadiums or beheaded in soccer stadiums for converting to Christianity. Yeah, and I I even read about like homosexuals being thrown from, you know, tall buildings in Saudi Arabia. Right. And, and when you get to this stuff, is should those at what point do you draw the line in sand? And and here's the thing, it's like you're if you just depend on your 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of life experience and you try to answer some of these questions, I I just think that you're going to be very ill-equipped because they're they're so—at the same time, we all want freedom of our religious beliefs. The biggest joke to me is the word secular, is though you go to school and it's a secular place, you go to government it's a secular place. It's actually incredibly dominated by beliefs. Incredibly dominated by beliefs. By somebody's beliefs. In the past, I'm not arguing for a Christian nation here, but in the past, you had a sense of, of shared belief to a certain degree that formulated laws and that, that created these government institutions, and there was, there was a bit of like agreement to start from, even though if our expressions may diverge. Where now, we don't even know whose beliefs are going to win in the state of Colorado versus the state of Michigan versus the state of Oklahoma, Whoever's beliefs are coming in, they're writing the textbooks, right? They're controlling the media. Um, They're wielding power inside of government to force their beliefs on people. I I got into this with a couple guys in Oklahoma that I've been encouraging to run for political office. And I said, when I came into college, I was probably center-left because it was the Bush era, and I was kind of coming of age politically and figuring things out. And I felt so embarrassed by the religious right who was accused uh, by my liberal friends of that if you're a part of the religious right, politically, you're forcing your beliefs on me. And this can go into the Defense of Marriage Act. This could go into um, all kinds of beliefs that Bush would have about different things, which largely Obama shared when he ran for office and then abandoned once he got in office. Okay, And so the religious right is like, well, I don't want to be a part of people I'm sharing the gospel thinking I'm running my beliefs down their throat. Come full circle, it's like you come to now where it's openly that companies, the government, are shoving their beliefs down my throat, where pagans who don't believe in the God of the Bible, don't serve Jesus, don't love Jesus, are coming in saying, not only um, do you have to accept homosexual marriage, but if you say anything against it, we might take your job, um, we might fine you, that if you won't bake a cake in Colorado for a homosexual couple, we are intolerant of that, and we're going to force you to agree with our beliefs. So the weird thing is, is that right now, politically, there's whole groups of people that are taking non-Christian belief system, religious beliefs, I would even argue, and trying to force that upon others in the population. So I again, if you hear all of this, I'm not really arguing so much for a position yet I'm just saying that the whole conversation about toleration is complex the conversation about religious belief is complex and and there is a bit of an assumption and I don't I, there's a limit to how far you could take this because the right to bear arms it falls in the same thing it's like they expected muskets you know they didn't ever expect that we could build drones or tanks or all these other sorts of things I said and I think that's that's you know there but I think that the idea of the Second Amendment is that human beings have the right to self defense. That if you try to threaten my life, I have the right to like use my hands, to to pick up something on a table, to use a gun. And that's primarily to defend myself against government. The idea is here, it's like if someone tries to rob my house, that you know, he might kill a couple people. But if the government comes for you, they're going to kill millions of people. And we always need to hold government in check. And so the principle is the right to self-defense in, in the Second Amendment, even though guns and weaponry and all those things have changed. I think that it gets actually more complicated with the First Amendment of the freedom of religion because with freedom of religion, how they saw the, the Christian, European, there, even amongst Catholic and Protestant and Jews, there was so much shared uh, belief about who God is, right and wrong, the Ten Commandments, and all of these sorts of things. As you introduce worldviews that are absolutely hostile to that understanding of reality, it's going to be it's it's almost impossible to reconcile all of those together. Um, and so, uh, the question here is, you know, like what? How much do we tolerate? And then, based on what, do we become intolerant? Necessarily intolerant of other things. And whose religious freedoms are going to impact the infrastructure of this country? Uh, Who's re- because here's the here's the fascinating thing: Christians, for the vast majority of this, uh, for all of this country, its history has been the majority of the population. Now, I don't believe that that's true converts. I believe that a lot of that's like cultural Christianity and things. But you have a people that ascribe to Christianity who are have always been in the majority in America, and in this country, because they're in the majority, they have tolerated and even allowed people to do things that they believe according to the Bible is sinful. Do you understand that homosexuals, like you mentioned earlier, in Middle Eastern countries, if they're in a Muslim-dominant country, can be executed for being a homosexual? Christians here in this country Who are in the majority largely tolerate homosexuality, and and at best have conversations where they say, "I love you, but I disagree with you." Those are two radical things: throwing you off a building versus saying, "I love you and I disagree with you." And I think it's sin. I don't think it's the best way for you. And I I, I just think this is an unhealthy lifestyle. Those, but do you understand the amount of toleration that the Christian worldview has produced that does not exist in atheistic China? Atheists in China do not tolerate divergent positions. Atheistic Russia under Stalin didn't either. But what Christians have brought forth is that there are certain things that we absolutely have to be intolerant of, and, and we codify those things in law, but there's other things where that while Christians would say adultery is wrong, it's not illegal. Does that make sense? And so... Here's the thing that, that is very disconcerting about this is that I don't think that people understand the depths of the conversation between tolerance and intolerance. I don't think they understand their own worldview. I don't understand it. I don't think there's a lot of people that understand that everyone's religious. And because of that, there are, there's an erosion of these freedoms that's going on. As the country further alienates itself from the roots of those in Christianity, they're alienating themselves from the things that empower the actual freedom. And so I think that I think that here's the thing it's going to say. It's like there's going to be a, things like the Freedom From Religious Foundation. I think that they're going to push in such a way that they eventually uh, eradicate or, at, at the very least, make impotent and erode the freedom of religion. And it's going to be selected upon people who actually believe in God or part of formalized religion. And with that, all of our freedom of thought, for all of us, will suffer. Now, here's where I want to end this, and, and I know that I've probably just rolled a grenade out there, and I'm not offered any solutions, and and that's that's really what I want. I, I, my hope in kind of shooting this off the cuff, as I kind of threw it out to Cliff, is for people to think through how complex and difficult these situations are. But at the end of the day, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't need freedom of religion To be faithful to Jesus. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world who actually, from the government, do not have freedom of religion, but before God, they got freedom of worship. And because they have freedom of worship, that God is a higher authority than their governments, they are continuing to preach the gospel, they're continuing to make disciples. And and in some of those contexts, the gospel is actually spreading faster than it is here in the States where we take for granted freedom of religion and we never actually share our faith with other people. And so I think it costs them so much. And in some of those contexts, so I I think we learn from them, our brothers and sisters overseas, in difficult contexts politically to understand if we have freedom of religion here in the United States for as long as we have it, use it to the glory of God, use that liberty to liberally preach the gospel in the, to herald the name of Jesus, if we lose it, changes nothing. <laughs> if we lose it, um, then now we maybe separate some wheat from tares, some people that are into Christianity for economic or comfort reasons versus the people that are into Christianity because of the Christ. And so, I would just say this: is that we don't need the freedom of religion to be faithful. But as long as we have it, give thanks to God for it and use it for your ministry. Anyways, so I've rolled out a hand grenade. Comment, like, share. Give us some feedback. Did I completely miss it? Um, Is there something that we left out? We'd love to interact with you about this. Love you, family. Hope this has been a blessing. Much love. You've been listening to The Portable Pulpit. If you've been blessed, like it, share it, subscribe to it, And for goodness sake, send us some ideas.